0: This is the story of the girl who spoke up for Chinese people in Australia, Alma Mary Wong, written and read by me, 10-year-old Meka Chow. The Chinese in Australia have practically no home here under the cruel immigration laws of Australia. The Chinese men, with very few exceptions, are separated from their wives and families. Mary paused and gazed at the Brisbane Courier reporter. He looked bored and uninterested. After all, it was only an unknown Oriental woman speaking. Mary continued The Commonwealth statistics show that in 1928 there were 13,000 Chinese men in Australia and only 185 Chinese women and girls. Still no interest. It is true that the law allows them to bring their wives to Australia one year out of six years. The reporter was dully doodling on his notepad. This made Mary mad. Why would he meet with her then not pay attention? Wasn't her voice as important as any other person's? But living under the White Australia policy, it certainly wasn't the first time she'd been underestimated. Mary Chong was born to Chinese parents in the small country town of Dubbo in 1908 when Chinese-Australian girls were basically invisible. When she was at school, at least once a day she would hear, you can't do this, or stay at home, girl. This is no place for your type. But even with all the insults, she showed them. Mary was top of the class in her graduating year of high school and went on to become the earliest known second generation Chinese-Australian to graduate from an Australian university. She thought back to that moment, hands trembling with excitement as she waited to receive her Diploma of Education. It had taken four long years of hard work to get here. She sat waiting for her name to be called out as still as a rock. Even though she looked calm on the outside, Inside she was jumping up and down as she wondered how the crowd would react when they saw that she was Chinese. Mary was no stranger to harsh responses, but as she took to the stage she looked instead for her family's faces, beaming with pride. Mary walked out of the graduation hall clutching a diploma of education, her head held high. This is it, she thought. This is where my life begins. And begin it did. Straight after graduating, Mary was offered an important position, English Secretary for the Consul General of China. She was tasked with running a survey about the home lives of Chinese people living in Queensland. At the time, Australia had a law called the White Australia Policy. This was a law that discriminated against anyone who wasn't white or British. It set different laws for work, life and immigration. For Chinese immigrants, there was a law that said men's wives could only be in Australia for one year, but their husbands could stay for six. This was why Mary's survey found there were so many men and so few women from China in Australia. She had spoken to Chinese men who were lonely and suffering without their families. She thought it was a moral and a disgusting double standard. These men had built railroads, cut scrub and mined for Australia and yet they couldn't even go home to their families at the end of a hard day. White Australians wouldn't put up with this if it were them. She looked at the dozy reporter, sure the next thing she said would shock him. Just think of it. Over 13,000 men in Australia condemned by Australian law to live apart from their wives and families and with none of the home life upon which you Australians pride yourselves. She took a breath, readying herself for the final blow. I asked the women of Australia, will you stand for the continuance of this cruelty and injustice? Suddenly there was a rush of movement from the reporter. He scribbled down her every word. Mary's eyes flashed passionately. A couple of days later, Mary opened the paper and was shocked by what she saw. Dark almond-shaped eyes peculiar to her ancient race? Demure, unassuming little lady? A zealot? Mary fumed as she read the article. The reporter had been spending more time looking at her face than listening to her message. Even as her powerful words sat on the page, it was framed by the same old stereotypes people used to make about her in school. Maybe that's how Australia would always see her, but there had to be more for her out there. So in 1931, she went to China. Nobody was as overjoyed as she was. 15 years ago, she wouldn't have even dreamed about it. On the way there, she studied Mandarin, even though she already spoke English and Cantonese. And she made her voice heard, working for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the Chinese Ambassador to France, co-editing the Chinese critic newspaper and even speaking on the radio. Finally, she was being taken seriously. It was there in China that she fell in love. Dr. Sweeting Wong was a Chinese lawyer and advisor who'd been educated overseas just like her. His father had been a diplomat, like the man Mary had been working for. They were both worldly, intelligent and understood each other completely. He made her feel heard. She and Sweden married and had three children, June, Ken, and Patsy. She was truly feeling at home, but her life was about to be turned upside down. World War II broke out, bringing Japanese fighters to China. Mary fought for her new and ancestral home, joining the underground resistance against the Japanese. While the Japanese lost the war, the trouble wasn't over. In 1949, China's Communist Party came to power. Both Mary and Sweeting were banned from working and had to hide their connections to the previous government. This was bad news. How would they survive? Even though she had made China her home, it was no longer safe for her and she missed Australia. She needed to get back, unite her families and restart her life. But because of the White Australia policy, she couldn't bring her kids, who were born in China, into the country. What would they do? Living on her savings and writing to her Australian family daily... Mary, Sweeting and their children held on for eight long years. Until 1957. A big change was made to the White Australia policy to allow Mary to bring her whole family back home, something that seemed unthinkable last time she was in Australia. Her mother paid for the family's return to Australia and her children finally met their grandparents. How nice is that? Grateful to be home again, she saw Australia becoming more open to Asian people and wanted to help this change along the best way she knew how writing and speaking. She expressed her optimism about Australia in her former school's magazine and later worked as a teacher, helping educate Outback students in lots of different languages. She was celebrated in her hometown for her hard work and speeches in China and Australia. They wrote about her in the paper and this time there was no mention of her looks. Fierce Mary had made Dubbo proud. In 1966, when Mary was 58 years old, the White Australia policy was finally abolished. Finally! She could proudly call Australia home and she knew there would be a big place for Chinese Australians in the nation's future. When the news broke, a smile crept over her face, those passionate eyes flashed and she jumped for joy inside. This story was written by me, 10-year-old Meka Chow. I chose Alma Mary Wong because she is a second-generation Chinese-Australian, like me, and her speeches are powerful and strong. She challenged unfair rules at a time when women were not expected to be independent and was fierce by going her own way. Roll the credits! This episode of Fierce Girls was produced by Nat Tanchich, who was also my script editor. David LeMay is our sound engineer. Claire Rawlinson is our executive producer and Monique Bowley is the boss who makes sure we get to keep telling stories about fierce girls. While we're here, you should also check out Short and Curly. It's a really funny podcast about ethics. Keep being fierce.